jump the creek. And it was a fun game uh, because the objective of the game was to jump from one point to another point. And, uh, and, and in the middle was a creek. And on the other side of the creek, were, there was ground, there was land. And, and so what would happen is that we would start uh, jumping and we would jump. And as we jumped, our objective was to jump so far that we can get over to the other side to dry ground. And so we would jump from one side to the other. But then as we accomplished that feat, we would continue to move. We would continue to move the stake. And, and, and then we would have to jump from one to the other, from one side to the other side. And if you missed it, you landed in the creek. Now, what's interesting about that is that... Um, the longest jump in the history of mankind is 29 feet and four and a quarter inches. And some of us don't know what 29 feet, four and a quarter inches really look like, but it is wider than this stage. And in 1983, that feat was attained. And so... I would dare to say in this place this morning that there's no one in here that can make that kind of jump. Did I hear someone challenge me? Because this, that's an amazing jump, and I, I don't believe that anyone here can make that jump. And, and, and if we were playing this game and we tried to make that jump, we would end up in the creek. And so let's say that... Uh, the state of Texas had a contest, and the state of Texas was going to pay a million dollars to the winner. And the stakes were that you had to jump from Texas to California. Now, since someone challenged me on that 29, four and a quarter jump, do you think that you can jump 1,500, over 1,500 miles? But I, I don't believe that, that anyone can do that. Your car. Some of your cars, no, some people's cars won't even make it that far. <laughs> now, when we look at that and we recognize then that uh, if uh, there's a contest, no matter what, if we, we worked out and we prepared ourselves for it, we did P90X and we did Jane Fonda and whatever was out there that was your fancy, you were, uh, what is that called, CrossFit. And you looked really, really good, but you still could not make that jump. And, and, and when we think about that, we think about that that jump is impossible, but something God has done for us. God, there was a, a, a distance or a chasm between uh, man and God, and God did not ask us to make that jump that was impossible. He made the jump for us. And when we look at that, we recognize then that it was what he did. Uh, was to identify Christianity as being unique. Christianity uh, is very unique because what we could not do for ourselves, God did for us. And he made that, he closed that chasm, he closed, that, that, he closed the creek, he, he, he narrowed the creek, and, and it's a word really called grace. It's a word called grace. 
And isn't it amazing that someone would leave their glory to come here so that he could help us do what we could not do for ourselves? Now this morning, uh, I want to ask you just a couple of questions because uh, the first question is, have you ever been in a place where uh, you just didn't know what to do? And um, you could not see the path that you were to take. And, and, and you were in a situation, it could have been um, relationally that you were in a situation that you were trying to make decisions. It could have been financial. It could have been that you were between jobs and, and you, were, you were trying to make a, a decision or you were going on interviews, but no one seemed to have an interest. And so you're in this place where it appears Uh, that you cannot see or you don't know what to do. And so that word uh, is, I think about that word and why God came. And so this morning, I'm going to give you three words that describes our condition before he came. And then I'm going to give you three words that describe our condition after he came. And then how God desires us to to help someone to narrow what they felt that they could not do, that God has called us to help them make the jump. Now, they're not going to make the jump so that they can try to get with him. They're simply just preparing themselves to receive what he has already done. And so the first word that I want to give you this morning is the word blind. Would you say blind? Blind. What I'd like for you to do this morning is on your paper this morning, if you would... Uh, uh, draw before and after and align down the middle on one side of your paper before and on the other side uh, after and align down the middle. And then if you would put blind on the before side because everyone at some point in time was blind. And when I think about blindness, I really think about the dark, the dark. And, And I don't like the dark. We can be sitting at home and we can be watching a movie and occasionally Gwen would look at me and she says, Liddell, let's turn the lights off. I don't like to watch. I don't like the dark. I got to have the lights on and maybe they're turned down a little bit where I can still see her and she can see me. But boy, if it's dark, it does something to me. And I don't know that when I was growing up, if if, uh, if I, you know how it is when children go to bed and they may start crying and, 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 and your mother say, uh, turn those lights out, off and go to bed, go to sleep right now. I, I remember when I was growing up that I would try to fall asleep in the living room watching TV with the family so that when I went to bed, I wouldn't have to sleep, have to recognize the dark. And I, I hear, can hear my mother over and over again. They called me Laydale. Isn't that a wonderful name? They called me, hey, Laydale, Laydale, uh, uh, get up and go to bed. And I said, I'm not asleep. And the TV had been watching me for more than 30 minutes. I'm not asleep. Get up and go to bed. I just wasn't asleep enough. And so uh, I would go to bed. But I didn't like the dark. And so uh, when, when Gwen would say, let's... Uh, turn the lights off. I I wanted to leave some lights on and because there's something that happens in the dark. There are are a couple of things that I don't like about what we experience in the dark. Number one, that we experience fear. 
You can experience fear in the dark. When it's dark, you don't really know what's around because you're blind and cannot see. The second thing in the dark is it's uncertainty. Because you cannot see, you do not know where to walk or to go. And so you have to feel your way and how uncomfortable it is to try and feel your way through the darkness. And the third thing that happens in the dark is pain. Fear, uncertainty, and pain. And you may be asking yourself, how does the darkness cause pain? Have you ever in the dark got out of bed? And you started walking and you stomped your toe on the edge of the bed, on the sofa. You know why that happened? And so for those reasons, fear, uncertainty, and pain, I do not like the dark. And so sometimes when we've made decisions in the past, that those decisions kind of haunt us. And so as a result of it, that we always... Uh, or, or reflecting back on those experiencing experiences and those decisions. But one of the things that I want to really share with you is that most of the decisions that, that might have been mistakes in your life were done in the dark. But God has something in contrast to the darkness that he did for us that we can connect with and we can identify. But the second thing that I see uh, before Christ is... Would you write this down? Lost. So first, we were blind. Secondly, we were lost. And I don't like being lost. And few men that I know of like being lost. We like to think that we know. But I've gotten over that. I'll ask Gwen in a, in a New York second, honey, would you pull the GPS out to find out where we're going? Because, see, I've been lost enough and, and, and the, the amount of times that I've been lost, it has shrunk my ego to prove that I'm right. That almost whenever we get ready to go somewhere that, uh, I, wanna, that I have not been before, I want to know what's the way and the best way to get there. And so I'm okay with that. But, 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 but before Christ, we recognized then that we were lost. And, and the Bible tells us that if you do not know Christ, that we not only become blind, but we also become lost. But third, we're dead. Would you write that as the third item characteristic under before Christ? Now, most of us have been to a funeral before in our lives, and no one really walks out of a funeral and says, wow, that was so cool, let's do it again. No, we don't do that. Uh, and if, let's just say that the funeral is for is for Bob Shambhal. And, and, for, and, and so I uh, said, you know, Bob has some things and some issues going on in his life. And we're going to believe God that he's going to get his life together. How many of you know that that makes no sense at all? Why? It's because he is dead. And unless something supernatural happens, Bob will remain, what? Dead. Now, so Bob doesn't have a problem. He does not have issues. He's dead, and unless something that God does and only God can do, will he rise up? And now, now we know of supernatural miracles that have happened like that. And so, although we recognize that there are some impossibilities for us, 
But there, with God, nothing is impossible. So what we find here is that before him, that we were limited in our lives, that we were, we were blind, we were lost, and we were dead. But when we accept Jesus into our lives, something happens. But notice this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read that together now. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. He made us what? He made us alive who was dead. In... Now Paul is talking here. He's speaking to church people. And he says that you were dead. Now, it doesn't mean that they were bad, but it means that they were dead. And so Jesus did not die on the cross to make bad people good. He died on the cross to make dead people alive. And so it's not that they are bad. But so he, 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 he describes to them uh, the condition that we're in before Christ, blind, that we're lost, and we are dead. And it's not that we are mistaken because Jesus did not die for, not, not that we've made mistakes, but Jesus did not die for mistakers, that may be a new word, but he died so that he could set those wrongs or the mistakes that we have made right. Now, and so what we find then is that if we see that before Christ, that we were blind, we were lost, and we were dead, what does our life look like after Christ, after Christ? And so next to blind on the uh, after Christ, I'd like for you to write this word sight. Before Christ, we were blind, but followers of Christ, we have sight that we can see. And if you're here today and you're wearing contact lenses, no one may not be able to recognize it, but you can see a whole lot better with those contacts than you can without them. You know, I don't know about you, but um, I used to have 20-20 vision and it was amazing. I could see anything. I could see far down the road. Gwen would ask me signs that are like a mile, two miles down the road. I could read them. But now, when I go to the store, if I ever want to read what's on the label of a product that I'm buying, I've got to make sure that I have my glasses so that I can see. Because, see, if you do not know what you are getting, you will misuse what you have. If you do not know the purpose of what, you, what you're getting, see, let me, let me just kind of let you in on a secret. I love uh, going to the store and buying things, brands, products, and this is what I do. And I may be missing something, but, but the other day I went to the store and I went into the pharmacy area and I bought a, a product. And what I usually like to get is the store product rather than the brand name. Now, that may not be the case in my family. But, with, but as for me and my money, in my pocket, I love to get the generic. So CVS, Walgreens, I go there. And you know why I started doing that? I looked on the back with my glasses in that small writing that you cannot see unless you can see. And I looked on that... that, that, that uh, Nyquil. And then I looked on that nighttime. And I noticed that they had the same ingredients, the same percentage of ingredients, and the same result, at least written on the Nyquil that was written on the nighttime. And I said, As for me and myself, 
I said self, and self said, huh? I saved $2.39. Why? All because I could see. So, 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 so we look at this and we recognize then that sight's beautiful. And uh, Gwen and I, several years ago, uh, she is so amazing. I am so amazed at my wife. She gets more beautiful as the months and the years go. I looked at her the other day, and I go, my God. I said that this morning when she walked into the room. I said, my God, you are so beautiful, it's not fair. <laughs> Look out. And, and, and so one of the things that we went to, the, uh, to, uh, to get uh, tested for eyewear, and, uh, and Gwen hadn't been wearing eyewear. And she'd look at TV, and so we'd be, she knows basketball. She knows uh, players on various teams. She, when we sit and talk, man, she, she's challenging you because she likes to debate. <clears throat> yeah, she likes to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she challenges you about where this player played, and so she knows sports. And, but, but, but at the bottom of the screen, you know, they have the score. So when we're sitting and we're watching, she can't really see. So she says, what's that score? What does that say at the bottom? And then so I would tell her, but when we went and got our eyewear and she put those glasses on, she said these words. She said, oh my God, I have been living in a fog. I now have HD vision." So after Christ, we recognized then that we were, were, before him, we were blind, but after Christ, we got sight and we could see. Now, and so we recognized then before Christ, we were lost, but after Christ, we are found. We're found. And do you know, I don't know if you've ever been lost before, but as a kid, I got lost, and I got lost in the country. Um, Elm Grove, Louisiana is very much like driving down 762 further down this way. There's really nothing on either side. And um, we were at church, and church was usually long when I was a kid. And so um, my brother and I, we made the brilliant decision that we were going to walk to the store that we had seen on our way to church time and time again. And so we kind of got out of church, no one saw us, and we started down that country road walking toward Taylortown. And as we were walking, we walked a long way. And we turned down some roads that we never expected to turn down, but everything looked the same. And I got scared. We were uncertain as to what we were to do. And, 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 And we just looked at each other and we finally recognized that we were lost. But although we thought we knew where we were going, we were lost. And so we were just walking and we were just walking. We said, we better turn around and we better go back to church before church is over. Because Madea did not play. Can I tell you something? If my mama had a way to communicate with us in church. And she didn't say a word. She didn't raise her hand. But what she would do is she would look at you and one of those eyes would close up like this. And that meant you were going to get a spanking when you got home. 
Now, it's about 11 o'clock in the morning, morning service when that ha- would happen. But when we went to church all day, and I would be so good in our 2 o'clock service, in our BTU 6 o'clock service. And as we walked in the house around 8.30 that night after being gone, 9 o'clock that morning, Madil said, get on in there. She never forgot that I and the actions of her son. But, 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 but so we were lost. My brother and I were lost. And we were, we were walking around. We are walking around. And we don't know where to go. And then we see a car far in the distance. And that car is coming toward us. Then we recognize it's my daddy. But we were so excited to see him. And when he got to us, he got out of the car. He did not chastise us. He did not say anything that we had done wrong. He embraced us and he put us in the car. And I said, Daddy, why weren't you looking for us? And you know what he said? He says, the moment that I recognized you guys were gone, I started out looking for you. And you know what? That's what God did for me. That's what God did for you. That God looked for you even when you weren't looking for him. And the Bible says it like this in John 3. He didn't do it to point an accusing finger trying to tell you how bad you are, but he did it to help put your life back together again. And so why ever would we want anyone to be outside of him when they can be inside of Christ? Blind, sight, lost, found, dead, alive. We're alive not because of what we've done, but we're alive because of what God has done for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, and we're going to read down to verse 9. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Notice what it says. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. How? By grace you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. It was not based on your intellect. It was not based on your physical ability to jump over the creek, but it was based on his love and his grace that caused us to be saved. And then he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there is a place called heaven. Oh, my God. How beautiful that place is. It's a place called heaven. And so notice this, that when, we, when he made the, the, the leap for us and we were willing to open our hearts and receive him, that we became in him, we're seated together uh, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so notice this, in the heavens is the throne of God. Jesus is the king of kings. And we are seated, seated together with him. Remember he said that you are a royal priesthood. And so we are kings. We are royal. And I believe that God, I'm telling you that I believe that God is, 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 is stopping some things in your life. So that you can embrace it, so that you can have the things that have limited you when you were blind when you were lost, and when you were dead. But now, 
because you are in him, because you are seated together with him. And how many of you know that if you're at a higher level, you can see a farther distance? We're seated together with him. And now we can see. Now we don't have to be lost because now we can see exactly the roads that need to be taken. Let me ask you this. Have you ever put an address in your GPS and it took you the longest route rather than the shortest? But one thing that, 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 that you do, if you'll just reduce your screen so that you can see the direction that they're taking you in. Uh, Gwen and I were, uh, Justin and I were, were going somewhere the other day and, and man, I didn't know where I was going. I put it in the GPS and, and, and they told me to go one direction and then when I went in that direction, it had me looping around to go in a place where I could have been if I just would have gone the way that I thought I should have gone. I reduced my screen so that I can see where I was supposed to end up and what direction. So when you're seated at a higher place, you can see more so you're not blind. You won't get lost. But what about moving from dead to being alive? Let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 2. And he raised us up together in him and, and, and seated, uh, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding richness of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God did that so that he can show you how good he was, how good he is. And the Bible says that it was the riches of his grace that in his kindness toward us. And, 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 and notice how his kindness is expressed toward us through Jesus Christ. Next verse. For by grace you have been saved through what? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so notice this, you were dead, God made you alive. He seated you in a place where you could see and you would never be lost. Because you were alive with him and in him. And the beautiful thing about it, the Bible says that it was not based on what you did. It wasn't based on how far you can drop, jump. It was not based on your intellect. It was not based on how well built you were or were not. It was based on the faith that you had to know that what was impossible to you, that God could transfer his power to you and he would come for where you were rather than trying to get you to jump to where he was. And when the two of you came together, that it became a beautiful picture of God's love and how much his love is expressed to us so that he can literally show us out of the riches of his grace, the love, the kindness toward us. And so as a result of that, if you are at a place in your life where you feel like that, I just don't know where I'm going, I don't, I don't know what's ahead for me that we have to go beyond where we are to another place. That what God desires is that you to be among the people that you're around. Then God desires you go ahead of the people, but there's a time that you have to go to the Mount Sinai. And you're going to have to just get with you and God. And at that higher place, he shows you that you're not lost, you're not blind, and that you're not dead, but you are alive. But what about the people that are on this side? What about the people that are still living blind? What about the people that are still lost? 
What about the people that are living in darkness, don't know what to do? What about the people that are still dead, but yet someone's telling them that there are plans for your life, but they'll never recognize them until they recognize that whatever they try to do in their own strength, that they'll never be able to jump the creek. But what God wants you to do is he said that I have sent you out as an ambassador where you have a ministry of reconciliation. What is an ambassador? Ambassador is someone who would go to another place and say and represent the one who has sent them. And they say what they say. They represent what they have instructed them to represent. And what God wants is God wants you and I to always be looking for people that are searching for the door, but they're in the darkness. They cannot find it. God doesn't want us to come so far to the altar that we forget about those that are on the outside of the door in the darkness and cannot turn, cannot feel. He says that I want you to be connected to me, but I always want you to be connected to those that are blind, that are lost, and that are dead. Rather than telling them what they can do on their own, tell them what I can do for them if they will only be willing to accept what I have. 